0: Mr. Clay Well. Good evening, Mr. Ham. How are you doing? You know, I am doing pretty well. Must say. This is like three in a row for me. I'm batting a thousand right now. Hell yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) It's great. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's it's been... And and I've had so much stuff going on. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, So I want to tell you a little bit about some of it. Okay. All right. Uh, So I had my first... We'll call it. A, we'll be generous and call it a concert. You know what? If it's live music, it's a concert. Well, it was live music. Okay, they had it going on at a little restaurant uh, over in Glasgow called Rib, Liquors. Is it rib like rib, as in, rib, yeah, like, okay. like a side of ribs, a rack of ribs. Okay, rib liquor. Yeah. Okay,
0: cool. It's a, <laughs> and
1: it's a barbecue joint, and there was a band playing down there called Rusty Toms. Nice. And so we went and saw them, and. As long as I stayed focused in front of me cuz yeah. we were sitting pretty close to the stage. Well, there was there was like 3 people in front of me to the stage. Right? So as long as I was stayed facing the stage, it was okay cuz I didn't see how many people were in there. Okay.
0: Yeah, you don't like crowds very much. I don't
1: like crowds and I don't really like a lot of loud right? Stuff like loud noise. Uh, and so I told the, the I went with A guy from work, and I told him he's been trying to get me to go for a long time. Right, and he's been working on me. And I, I told him (laughs) if you can find a smaller venue uh, where it's not a lot of people, and maybe you know, preferably somewhere where there's like chairs to kind of make you know force people to give you your space. Right. I'll, I'll think about it. So he picked this place out. I agreed to go. And as like a peace offering from him, he got me these little. Earbuds that you stick in, like earplugs, kind of. Yeah, and they're
0: specifically made for concerts. Oh yeah, yeah, because they'll they'll allow so many decibels in.
1: Yeah, and they they tr- they have minimal impact on the sound profile. Right. They just kind of lower the decibels. Yes, uh, I've seen those. Yeah, oh, they're like, called yeah. Vibes. Yes. So he actually bought me a pair of those as like a you know hey come on we'll have fun. So, I went, and it was a good time, uh, like I said, we saw Rusty times uh they play mostly covers of like eighties rock and southern what what, what is it- so, southern country country could uh, that country rock kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying I don't know the yeah, word, but like yeah, Skinner um, and stuff like that, whatever that yeah, in that vein of music, southern rock, whatever you want to call that yeah
0: i mean it is it is southern rock um I'm trying to think um the the little area that it comes from, even like, um, oh, Tom Petty and them used to sing about it. There and, and 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 Skinner and Molly Hatchett, that all of those three and Credence, all uh, all of those guys, like specifically, would name this one place. Um, it's something mud, something or other. I can't remember. Lord, anyway, I don't, I don't know.
1: But we, we went and 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 they played. And now one of the members of Rusty Tom's. Uh, his son is the lead singer for a, a current rock band called Blackstone Cherry. Okay. I've heard of them. Yeah. And they do get quite a bit of radio play. They've sold several albums. They have big national tours. They go out on and they headline. Right. But we're at this little restaurant in Glasgow, Kentucky, and that's where these guys are from. They're from like Edmonton, Glasgow area. And, his son, Chris comes in and goes up on stage and plays a few songs with him. And I got to say, it's hard for me to put into words, but I do now kind of see what you were saying when I was asking about it before. Right. So when, when rusty times was up there by themselves, they, they played well, right. They've been doing it for decades. You know, they know what they're doing. They play their instruments. Well, the singer did well, but it was more kind of mellow. Yeah, you know, when when there's when Chris, the guy from Blackstone Cherry, got up, he sang and played lead guitar, and there was just a different energy. But other than that, it was fun. uh The food out there was pretty good. I can say if you're in the area, they they have decent food there. Cool. Uh, so if you want to stop by do that. But I just had to talk about that for a second. It's a touchstone to a a previous episode that, you know, I had mentioned I'd never been to a concert. Well, now I have it in in a small way, still nothing like arena rock or
0: big, big, huge show, but yeah. And, and like I say, those are completely different than what you see in those small venues. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome though. All of it. I enjoy it all. And the big crowds don't really bother me so much. Um, so, I mean, I can be just as as comfortable with you know 30,000 people as I can with 30 people. Oh, Lord. Just, just the thoughts of that just, make, the, just cr- makes just you cringe, doesn't it? Just the thoughts make me cringe.
1: <laughs> uh, but speaking of big crowds, yeah, uh, I want to say thanks to everybody listening. Holy cow. We have uh, just passed another milestone. Yay. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, what, two episodes ago was our 25th episode. Right. And... And now I I can proudly say, for all told, for all time, we have over a thousand downloads now.
0: Yay! Thank you for listening. Yeah.
1: Thank (laughs) you, everybody
0: out there for listening, and thanks for the support. Uh, It means a lot. You are why we do this. I mean, we enjoy it. I love sitting down with you, Claywell, and and chit-chatting and having a good time. But I I mean, and I would do this if there was one person listening, and that would be you. (laughs) However, I, I, I do love that. Other people are listening. It it makes me happy.
1: Yeah. Oh, me too. And I gotta say, our uh, not the most recent episode we just did, but the one before that has now become our most downloaded episode. Yay! The the, TV shows, the TV 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 show remakes. Yes, is the one we just did. Yeah,
0: it's now our most downloaded episode. Awesome. And so the last episode we did with the whole black mirror thing, right? Dude, um, the other night mom downloaded and listened to it Mm -hmm. and she got up the next morning like this was uh, over the weekend and she was like okay the episode last night was different i was like oh okay she goes it's kind of (laughs) scary and i was like yeah it is (laughs) i mean i don't want to scare people but
1: when, when you're dealing with this show that's the way the subject matter goes in the show Like it kind of takes it to a dark place. It's very, it's very reminiscent of like Twilight Zone or the Outer Limits. It's so, but the part that really scares me is just how rooted in reality that's what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She was saying that the the scary part is, is by far the fact that if that there's like really people out there that are doing these things and, and yeah, yeah, it's crazy, 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 crazy. But Here's, that is awesome. I am so glad that people are listening. Yeah. Um, and thank you everybody for the listening and and we really appreciate it. We love you all. Thank you. Yes, indeed. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Good luck huh? with this episode. Yeah, I need it. You need I, it. But realistically, I probably shouldn't say that since we're producing something. I should probably use something different. Not good luck. I should tell you probably break a leg with it, right? because it's bad maybe. luck. Isn't it bad luck to say good luck with any kind of a production, especially Broadway productions and things like that? Well, like that theatrical entry. productions, yeah. yeah. You want to say break a leg. You want to say break a leg. You don't want to go out there and say, "Hey, have a great show or good luck with tonight on the show." Yeah. Or if you're French, you might say merde. Yeah. So but, but I I thought uh, maybe I shouldn't say good luck with this episode because that may jinx us or something. I
1: it could I tell you what, I'll to I'll cross my fingers and all right, not wood.
0: Throw a little bit of salt over your shoulder. Throw a little salt over the shoulder.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll,
0: I'll take care of that. Okay, you can wish, right. Yeah, you can do it. Well, we'll uh, and I won't blow smoke <laughs> up your butt whenever we're doing all this. I won't. I won't do any of that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> so obviously tonight we are only a couple of days away from Halloween. Right. So happy Halloween out there to everyone. Ooh. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about something that I find fascinating. I think it's kind of funny. We're talking about superstitions. I mean, superstitions. <laughs> right. So superstitions. Yeah. And I always, I always have said that with mom because she is one of the most superstitious people I've ever met in my life. And she does the silly ones, like some of the silly ones. So right. I'm like, really, mom? Are you being stupidstitious again? And she's like, oh. I hate it when you do that. <laughs> well, I, you know, maybe it's one of those
1: things that's that's like voodoo, uh, hoodoo. It, it works if you believe it.
0: Okay, maybe, maybe. I don't is, know. It's like that's like creating your own destiny, though. I mean, sort of. So, okay, I, I can see that. I can see that happening, but it's uh, a lot of it is just silliness, is it not? Well, I mean, so like, what is this is this? Obsessive compulsive behavior gone cultural? I don't know. I don't know if it's obsessive compulsive or if it's simply just fragments of past culture that's sneaking its way into Our, our everyday life.
1: Well, I mean, you you know what I'm saying though. Like you get the guy that the one time he touched the door handle three times and he had a good day. So now every time he leaves the house, he has to touch the door handle three times. I
0: can. I mean, you know, is it something like that that's just like gone viral and everyone does it or the thing is, is it had to have happened to more than one person or it had to have rooted itself in some kind of reality for it to be any kind of anything. Right. I mean, yeah, I think so. I don't know. That's what's (laughs) weird about
1: it. Like, I don't understand like where
0: where these all come from. Well, that's the thing. We're going to touch base on a few of them tonight. We're going to we we have Mr. Claywell and I gone through and we've mm. picked out a few superstitions that are co- more common. Yeah. And we're going to kind of discuss where they come from and how they kind of apply and and maybe even uh, if we've seen them happen, you know, personally. Because I mean, there's some of them. I, I gotta say, there's one that he's that Mr. Clay was going to talk about that I still yet do, and I don't know why I do it. I have no clue why I do it. It's just that I do, and I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It they're they're just strange. They're just strange little quirks of, of our ways of life, I guess. So <laughs>
1: yeah. So why do we do these things? And that's what we're looking at, and. Where does it come from? Where did it start? And some of these, no one really knows for sure. Some of these have numerous possible explanations. True. Uh, And the first one I would like to talk about is Ah. knocking on wood. And see, that's
0: the one that I was saying. that I do that. Right. And why? (laughs) I don't know why. It's just someone said, hey, you better knock on wood. So I was like... Okay,
1: <laughs> so right. I knocked on wood. Well, there's there's several different theories as to why we do this today. Okay, uh, you you knock on. It's common that you would knock on wood to ward off bad luck or to bring yourself good fortune. Okay, uh, the phrase "knock on wood" or if you're British, "touch wood." Oh, just touch wood. Just touch wood. Has been part of the vernacular since at least the 1800s. Okay. No, hardly anyone agrees as to where exactly this started. Some of the more common explanations can trace it back to pagan cultures, such as the Druids. Okay, I can see that. Who believed in the spirits and gods that resided in trees. Right. So that you would knock on a tree trunk, possibly, as a way to rouse the spirit from within the tree. Okay, I and, can and call up
0: on it for its protection. See, see, like the Wiccan and and Druid, like that makes sense to me. I, that that makes sense to me as as far as where it would culturally come from. That right. that makes sense. That's awesome. Right. And so another
1: one, you know, commonly when you when somebody tells you you better knock wood, it's because you've just boasted
0: about something, right? Either boasted about something or. You're trying. I've always heard that if you don't want something to happen, um, so like, right, right, but like you, right? But you, but exactly, you're gonna say, like, but like, you know, I'm gonna
1: do this thing,
0: and they're yeah. like, well, you better knock wood so you, yeah, it works, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, I don't want that to happen, right? So, knock on wood, yeah, yeah. So, another theory
1: is that the reason you knock on wood is. Obviously, as you guys can hear out there, that right? makes a lot of noise. It does. When you knock on the wood like that, it keeps the spirits from hearing what you're talking about. So ah. that they 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 don't they don't know that they should come and interfere in your business.
0: Ah. Interesting. Interesting. Right? That's 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 that I had not heard that before. Yeah, that's another possible theory.
1: Another theory states that it could be that you're knocking on the wood to chase away the evil spirits. So you're making noise to scare them off. Scare them away, yeah. Uh
0: Uh-huh. I don't know why a spirit would be afraid of a noise, but... Well, you know. I mean, they are spirits. Who knows? Right. And, I mean, realistically, wood has been used in rituals of all kinds throughout history... So Indeed. I I guess, you know, one of the things and this comes from, you know, hanging out with people that 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 practice, you know, this religion, um one of the things that they that you would do like in in Wiccan ceremony is to clap wood together and that would ward off spirits. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, they don't necessarily call it knocking on wood or anything, but that just kind of clears the area. And then you would smudge the area with sage or whatever, but yeah. Okay. Well, there's other,
1: there's, there's still lots more for this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so many theories about why we do this. (laughs) Uh, Christians have put forth that it's a practice, uh, that ties the wood symbolizes the wood of the cross and you're, you're calling on that for the protection of Christ. Now, okay. another strong contingent is, uh, considers that this comes from a much more recent phenomenon. Uh, it's an, a, a children's game. That started in the 1800s called Tiggy Touchwood. Tiggy Touchwood. Tiggy Touchwood. Okay. It's sort of like a game of tag where you're only immune from being caught while you're touching a piece of wood, such as a door or a tree. Okay. And it's a children's game, a playground game. So, you know, being as that it was a popular game, both the children and the adults were aware of it everyone realized that the wood was a symbol for safety. Okay. And that this is where, especially where the British saying touch wood comes from.
0: Okay. Hmm.
1: And, and uh, the, the, the people that believe that one typically claim that, uh, the, those claims about it going back to tree spirits and all that is just complete nonsense. Huh? Okay. okay, so I don't know where the exact knock on wood comes from, but there there, there is a strong push for the British touch wood okay. to being this tiggy touch wood game that kids played in the eighteen hundreds. Uh, so who knows? But those are the more commonly held concepts of why we
0: would knock wood, what what the purpose it might serve. Okay. So, like I said, that's one of those that I still do, um, and it's it's it's. I, there are so many people that I've ran across that that oh, will yeah. knock on wood. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, anything that you do, well, you, you know, knock on wood. You know, da, da da da. So mm-hmm. that's that is so common in at least in our area in this the culture we live in in this in the South, and I will say yeah. that superstitions, they they kind of they. I don't want to say they. I guess I was I should say that they are so predominant in the south simply because everyone has at least some superstition that they adhere to. Um even if it's something as silly as knocking on wood or something like that. Um the 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 one that that fascinated me, that the big one that fascinated me um is the number 13 and not uh-huh. just the number thirteen, but specifically Friday the thirteenth um okay. this thing it's huge I mean it is massive. I agree there are a little so- tristadicophobia tristadicophobia it is that is literally the scientific name that is give to the fear of Friday the thirteenth um and there are so many different origins for Friday the thirteenth this this fear, and some of these. Some of the superstitions that um, that surround this day and the, the number thirteen date back like to biblical times and even pre-biblical times. So, um, Friday the thirteenth. The reason people most most people avoid it um, is one: we think that for, on Friday the thirteenth, that is just an unlucky bad day. But the whole reason being um, that, and the way it came about, at least one theory is that during the Last Supper, there were 13 people that were present. The 13th person was an uninvited disciple, which was Judas. Now, Judas comes in, and, you know, it doesn't, the Last Supper doesn't bode well for Jesus or Judas. Um, True. Very, you know. Um, even in paintings, Judas is portrayed doing unlucky things and superstitious things, specifically Da Vinci's The Last Supper. And I know you'll probably talk about that in a little bit. I, that actually is one of my other talking points. Yeah. Okay. So I'll leave that for you. Um, but so Jesus... And isn't he always usually portrayed like off kind of by himself? He is. And he is always he's portrayed as... Um, I mean, you have the 12 disciples... Right. Right. Um, and Jesus, and uh, he's kind of the, the 13th man. He's kind of the, the, the outsider. Right. So all of this, you know, is, is one origin, but commonly for us in, in Western culture, Friday, the 13th actually stems from October 13th, 1307. Very, 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 very specific date. Um, this was the date during the Crusades now this is according to history.com this was an article uh, made by uh, written by Jeannie Cohen. This is the day that King Philip had many of the French members of the Knights Templar arrested and tortured. Um, they were burned at the stake they were uh, basically they were they were shown as heretics and this happened on Friday October the 13th. So Um, so it was a Friday the 13th. It was a Friday the 13th. This is Mm. why Friday the 13th is supposed to be so terrible. Now, we know who the Knights Templar are, right? This is the group of... um, That's uh, the old guy that Harrison Ford stole the cup from, right? That's the dude. That's him. Um, The Knights Templar was a group of people, and these were a group of knights that were um, commissioned to protect and search for... Um, holy relics in like Jerusalem. I mean, they did like the the Crusades and all of that. Um, they also set up the first banking system, like international banking system that we that we have. Those um, evil, evil people. I know, I know. So um, the thing that 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 happens is King Philip and the Pope at the time see that the amount of power that this group is has the Knights Templar has and. They together decide we cannot allow them to have more power than us because if the person that controls money controls pretty much everything. So on October 13, 1307, orders were given um, and on that date, all those orders were opened And the members of the Knights Templar were rounded up, arrested, tortured, and killed. So that is specifically for us in Western uh, culture where the fear of of Friday the 13th comes from. Now, the number 13 has become synonymous with bad luck to the point that hotels typically don't put a 13th floor like it'll go from 12 (laughs) to 14 realistically though, you're on the 14th floor it is the 13th floor exactly it it really is but they they don't list it as a 13th floor that's
1: like me going i think your name's unlucky from now on you're mr smith exactly it doesn't
0: change the fact that i am mr ham but i'm gonna call you mr smith right (laughs) it's just that's it's silliness right um something too the the whole thing with the with friday the 13th it kind of died off for a while after the crusades um, were over with after all of king philip's stuff it, it was really the friday the 13th was a big a big deal in europe but after a, you know a couple hundred years it all kind of died down yeah i mean who's going to remember a massacre for exactly hundreds i of years? mean that's not that's not something that's going to stick in history right um, right. Well, I mean, not not to the point of causing a dread for that date, Exactly. you, would think. you yeah. wouldn't think. So according to a Time Magazine article, Friday the 13th, 13th Superstition in America really began to gain popularity after the publication of a book called Friday the 13th. This featured a plot of a businessman, and he was trying to crash the stock market. So we start to see that Friday the 13th thing come back into our culture. Now, um... The big Friday the 13th, um, I guess, push into our culture came with a film in the (laughs) 1980s. (laughs) So for those of you who have not seen the film Friday the 13th or any of its 35 sequels, (laughs) the original was really decent it had a certain feel to it that made it just creepy enough just uh, th- there was enough that happened off camera to make you go oh it, you wanted to see what was happening but they won't show you and it was just it was it was done in it, it was done well okay um this this movie was a box office hit. And it was really, it was, it was not, there was not a lot of money spent making it. It was all filmed in this like summer camp. Um, and the, the cast that was in it, a lot of them went on to become like very, very famous. Um, Johnny Depp, Kevin Bacon. Um, yeah, I mean, these guys are, I think it was Johnny. I'm pretty sure it was Johnny Depp. I think he was in nightmare on Elm street. He was nightmare on Elm street. What am I saying? Um, but Kevin Bacon for sure was in it. Okay, and so these guys like this movie became a phenomenon, and it really, it really did kind of push that bad luck image back into our culture. Um, So yeah, that's that was one of the things that I thought was was very very very. um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth to me is just one of those fascinating dates because it doesn't matter who you are if it's friday the 13th all you got to do is mention someone oh yeah yeah today, by the way today's friday the 13th and instantly they have bad luck the rest of the day yep. it's almost like a preconceived destiny that they're they're just moving toward. but that's what
1: i'm talking about earlier yeah
0: i know i know you know it's like it's one of those things that works if you believe it and and people do that's the thing with that specific day like i'm like it's just another day it's friday That means I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Yay! That's a good day for me. Yeah. It's the (laughs) last, it's the last work day of the week. Exactly. That's it. it. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. All right. All right. Well, my next one comes from several, it's another one of those that has several potential history origins. Okay. Uh,
0: So, Have you ever heard that you shouldn't walk under a ladder? I have heard that. As a matter of fact, I've heard that just recently because I'm building a house right now. And there are ladders everywhere. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say, first off, it's true. You should not
1: walk under a ladder because it's
0: unsafe. Even if it's just a ladder that's setting up? It's not it's unsafe. I'm not, I'm not. Now, here's you could, the thing: you
1: could accidentally knock it over. Something could be on top of it; it could fall and hit you in the head. There could be somebody standing up on it working, and you could knock them over and hurt them. It's just an it's OSHA, man. It's just simple unsafe okay. work environment to do that. Now, if you think walking under a ladder is going to bring you bad luck, why would you think that? That's like saying walking through a doorway is going to bring you bad luck. Exactly. I mean, I mean it's just it's just a pathway. <laughs> well, so one potential origin for this goes back to medieval times when the ladder symbolized a gallows. Okay, because they would often not be able to like you see them in the movies all the time. They got the fancy thing built up with the guy on it, and they hit yeah. the they hit the switch, and the floor drops out, and the guy drops. They didn't have that that's, most of the that's time. That's that's a that's a Hollywood. I was thing. gonna
0: say that's an awful fancy get up for killing people.
1: Yeah, typically, exactly. <laughs> typically, they would just have some. They would prop a ladder up onto something, throw a rope over something higher, have somebody get up on the ladder, put the rope around their head, kick the ladder out from under them. Okay. I can see that. That's where they would get the drop. Yep. That's how they would get it done. So when somebody walked under the ladder, it was believed that you would face your own death by hanging. Wow. That's fascinating, dude. And because people were hung in the top rungs of the ladder, it was thought that their spirits might be trapped in the space underneath the the ladder. Oh, like in the... So like where they would fall, they would be caught there between the rope and the and right ah so you how? would be passing through the spirit of somebody who was obviously bad or they wouldn't have been hanged
0: right and you don't want bad spirits and you don't, so don't like, want uh, uh, right I mean, that, you don't that, want bad spirit juju all yeah this yeah. Yeah, is gonna say that's some funk you don't want exactly
1: <laughs> uh so that's one potential place so that it's the you know the symbol of the gallows, or you might be getting the the spirit of a murdered person on you, yeah, and you on you. Walk mean, and you can't you just can't even brush
0: that off. I yeah, mean, that, I mean, they don't might come even, out
1: with soap. Yeah, I might just, Ajax might not even take that off. <laughs> so another the, another potential theory for this goes back even further in history to ancient Egypt. Okay. Because Egyptians had some strongly held uh, belief in the symbol of the triangle. Which is
0: why they built so many things in the shape of triangles. Look at the pyramids. They're basically multifaceted triangles. The obelisk, the tip of the obelisk is always a, a pyramid, which is a multifaceted triangle. Right. So the
1: theory is that... The ladder leaning against a wall vaguely forms the shape of a triangle if you take the ground into account. You do. I mean, you get an acute angle or a, a you know. Yeah, you, depending yeah. on how the ladder's propped. But right. yeah, you there's definitely a three-sided structure there. Absolutely. Which is a very sacred symbol to the ancient Egyptians. And it's thought that if you walked under that, you were
0: breaking the plane of that triangle. Which was bad. Which is bad. I guess my question then would be if this were the case with even the Egyptians, the tri- the, the, the the pyramids themselves had passageways into them. They would pass you weren't, into the you were never but they wouldn't once it was complete.
1: Ah, okay. Th- that was the tomb. And it was sealed. And it was, it was sealed. Okay. They would sense. put the they would put everything in it and then complete the structure and seal it.
0: Aha. Okay that makes that makes sense
1: so but and it was the gateway that you know the power of the triangle would open the gateway to the other world okay so that when the when the spirit re- resurrected from the body they could cross over
0: interesting into
1: their next life i like that there's still more there's another theory again shout out to all my christians out there yeah again the triangle leaning against the wall or the ladder leaning against the wall the shape of a triangle your christians also have a thing with 3 Right. The Holy Trinity, Mm -hmm. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that the action of walking through that plane was a blasphemy. Like you were desecrating God, basically. Wow. And by disgracing God publicly like that, you were inherently inviting the devil into your life Hmm. to cause mischief. I see. Those are the three primarily held beliefs as to why walking under a triangle would bring you bad luck.
0: Okay. Or a triangle walking under, under a ladder through the triangle, through the triangle would bring you bad luck. I see. Aha. Uh-huh. That's, that's interesting. That's another <laughs> one of those things. Like I said, I, you know, I'm building the house right now. There are always right. ladders up and I don't, I haven't really paid much attention, but <laughs> there have been people specifically on my job site that goes, uh, you better not walk there. And I'm like, I've got to get over there, though, and you all have got all this stuff over here, and I don't want to go over there because I'll get my arm cut off, so I'd rather go under this. And they're like, nope, nope, you don't do that.
1: So Now, now, you know, those people could just be concerned about workplace safety. They could be, but I mean. Maybe that's not necessarily superstition. uh, I guess.
0: Although it probably is. It probably is. (laughs) But I, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because again, this is one of those that we see and that, 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 that it's, it's prevalent Indeed. in our society around us and, yeah. and our people that we run around with. So yeah. very, very cool. All right. So my turn again. Yeah. Let's All right. you, got, so you got more. I've got more. Of okay. course I've got more. Well, Let's go. So the next one that I'm going to talk about is, um, one that that has been around for another, a long time. Um, this one dates back to like Greek and Roman times. Um, and this is the broken mirror. You will have seven years bad luck if you break a mirror. And why seven? Why seven? Well, the thing is, in Greek and Roman uh, times, the they are, they had a belief that the human soul regenerates itself. Every seven years. It takes seven years for it to kind of shed all of the bad and become anew again. Well, now, so it's whole, kind
1: of like the thing with all your skin cells die every so many whatever. Exactly. And you're like, a, technically, you're
0: a different person every time you cycle. Yes. Oh, and you. Okay, okay. So the Romans believed, though, that your soul did this. Mm. Now, the reason that this had something to do with a broken mirror they also invented the mirror and they thought this was a very, very mystical thing because you are able to see yourself in this thing. They thought that it must hold a piece of you, which would mean a piece of your soul. If that breaks then it obviously shatters part of the soul itself. It breaks part of the, part of the soul, and a broken soul obviously is incapable of doing good things. So bad luck would ensue from these this broken mirror. Okay, that okay. I, I, but I have seen
1: the army of darkness. <laughs> I love that movie. And when the mirror <laughs> breaks,
0: you just get like. A hundred tiny little souls, but they're yeah, and they're little, but that, see that's what I mean it's fragmented, though, and it's shattered, and you you don't have a whole soul now, there's a bunch of little ones, and each one of them is incapable of doing what one large soul could do, right, okay. <laughs> So, yes, basically it says that um, it it was a mirror. If a mirror were to break, your soul could possibly be trapped in this broken world. And a a broken soul, of course, equals bad luck. This is what the Romans thought. And every seven years, it would regenerate. So, that is kind of where we get that. This has been such a prevalent. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, this has been something that has been part of society since the times of the Greeks and the Romans. And because mirrors are so fragile, made out of glass, typically, they are easily broken. And this is one that has just lived through our history. Um, and it, it even though it has origins in you a know, couple thousand plus years ago, right? this thing still is relevant today. People still believe this. Well, and I'm wondering, too... If part of it is not
1: maybe, I I don't know, but especially back then, Mm -hmm. not not so much now, but back then to have a glass mirror, especially, you
0: had something, you had to have some money. Yeah. Very, very valuable.
1: And I'm wondering if that wasn't a way to kind of, you know, you better make sure you don't break this. You
0: take care of this, this item. You know what I'm saying? Now the original mirror of course was made out of steel. It was polished Polished metal, polished metal. But um, once they once they were able to get glass to to you know to do what they wanted it to do, right. they figured out hey you can make this stuff reflective, and yeah yeah and you're right they were extremely expensive right. and hard to come by. So I'm sure that that's part of it as well. I I would guarantee that that's part of it. You gotta wonder what they would think if you like took a picture of them back then. You know? Oh my God! I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the first photographs that I were have taken, your soul exactly that people thought they were was part of their soul ripped out. That was photography was yeah. that's some crazy stuff. That one was a fairly short one, but that's I mean there that all of the the well, I've always wondered like what possible
1: reason could people have had for saying that this is bad luck? Well, I mean th- it's
0: you're right, and this one this is one of those that all of the um this the the his, the historical. I guess um, it, it all leads back to this one spot. Unlike some of the others that we're that we're talking about, where you mm-hmm. have four or five different theories or three or four different theories about where this comes from, this is one of those where they go, "This is where it started," and I mean, they pretty well know that you know it was the it was Romans that came up with this. Okay, so yeah, and it's, see, but it's, but
1: it's but just kept going. The cynic in me has to say. If your soul renews every seven years, yeah. what if you were already four years into your, (laughs) and you you break the mirror? I mean, you'd only have three years of bad luck left, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess so.
1: Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Or maybe it's like a constant regenerative process, so that it's like a completely new soul every seven years, but there's always a little piece of it left for that entire
0: time? Mm -hmm. How... What, at what date does your soul stop regenerate and start again type yeah, thing or, or exactly well I mean
1: to tie back to the skin analogy right like technically every what we'll just make up a number here 30 days right your 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 whole new skin is new so at but that it's point, not but it's not like you're you're in, it's not like a snake where you just shed all your skin at once every 30 days right you're constantly flaking little bits off maybe that's maybe that's how the soul process works in their minds
0: true I'm getting way too involved in the, yeah, me- in the mechanics is, of yeah it. I was gonna say this is just it's a, this is a stupid station so uh, we can't get like we can't get marred in the technicalities <laughs> the <laughs> but better. that's all
1: it is is technicalities <laughs>
0: okay all right so my okay. next one that I had
1: is uh if you ever like somebody like you're at the dinner table and you're reaching for something and pank you knock over the salt shaker and you spill a little bit I've done that more than once and somebody says well you better throw some over your shoulder
0: but i don't understand why because that's now it's in the floor and i got to sweep it up exactly right <laughs> you're just moving the mess
1: from one place to another one why is spilling like what why is spilling the salt a bad thing why is that a bad omen
0: i, I don't know
1: i don't well, know this is another one of those that has several potential origins okay unfortunately Uh, one of the more prominent theories and one of the oldest theories is that, uh, it dates back to ancient Roman times alongside your mirror theory. Okay. Is that like, and you read all this stuff, right? In the histories host guest and all that you offer them, uh, what is it? Salt and something else, the salt of your table and something else. I can't... I, I'm not sure. Salt and bread, maybe. or, But it, they always talk about salt. The reason for that is because it's, it's been known for a very long time that salt can prolong things. Right. Like it's if a, you cure a, a meat with salt, you, it will
0: make it last longer. As a matter of fact, um, I think... Um, oh, what was it? I read just just recently salted fish, I think it was, that they had found... From the Civil War, and when they cracked it open, the fish was still edible. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I, do, well, I mean, you know, define edible. Like the Norwegians it's not, have go,
0: that. It's not going to kill you. Like,
1: like the Norwegians have that, what is that, like lutefisk or whatever? Lutefisk yeah, that stuff or, is some bad ugh. stuff.
0: <laughs> but this stuff was, was so, it was packed in enough salt that it had preserved the meat. It had basically turned it into fish jerky.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, that's but yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And people know that. For a long time, for thousands of years we've known that. And salt has kind of become unilaterally a symbol of lasting things. Right. Specifically, friendship. If if you want your friendship to last, so that's why you offer your guests a lot of times even before food or drink, you offer them salt first. Hmm. It's your, it's your way of symbolizing that you want this you know our friendship to last. It's it preserves it. Yes. So that's why it one theory states that spilling the salt uh, could be considered a bad omen because you're knocking away the friendship. You're
0: okay. I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: So yeah. So that's, that's one theory is that like, you just, you're spilling the salt. You're like throwing away the friendship. You're, you know, it's not being utilized. It's just scattered. Right. Um, another possible origin for why this is bad luck again, goes back to ancient times and it's because salt was very valuable,
0: very, very valuable. Um, the phrase "is a man worth his salt" right comes from the value of salt e- exactly because yeah.
1: and and it's so valuable because of its
0: curative and yeah preser- preservation properties exactly and it was so hard to come by oh yeah there I were, mean basically you, you had to live on a coastal place where you either could, a coastal place or if there was a uh, some place that was mining salt right it was it to, for it to travel from that spot to where you were. Right, It was a phenomenal amount of money that had to get it there. Yeah, exactly.
1: Especially mining it, because yeah, that's a whole... Whoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but th- that's another theory, is because it was so expensive that it was seen like, you know, I've offered you the salt. I've put it on the table for you to use, and you've just thrown it, you know, you've spilled it. So you're frivolous, and you don't respect me. And that's arousing my enmity. So that's like a you're inviting disaster. Disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for helping me finish my sentence. My brain is <laughs> I <mean>, stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, another, another one, this one's a misconception, but it's another commonly held one is that uh, because salt was so expensive, that somehow it got around that Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Yeah. Uh there is no historical evidence for any Roman soldier ever being paid in salt. But it's such a widely held belief that the term salary yeah comes from the Latin salarium
0: which is salt. Which
1: means salt money? Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. But it there's no there's never been any proof that this was ever the case. That's I mean the correlation but, can be seen there though. I mean really. That's cool. But that's where that term comes from. Huh. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting. And once again, a third, and the third most widely held thing is that, as you were alluding to earlier, another belief that why it's unlucky to spill salt is if you look in Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper, mm-hmm. the painting, the famous painting, yes, you will see that it, it depicts Judas Iscariot has knocked over his salt cellar. He has. And he has spilled sitting to the, the salt on the table.
0: Sitting to the right of Jesus and he has his his elbow is forward and has knocked it over. Yes. Right. And
1: that's another reason that some people consider it to be a bad omen because every as everybody knows, You can't trust a Judas. Right. I mean... And any action he's done obviously has to bring about ill gains. Now,
0: you're asking, what does this have to do with throwing it over your shoulder? See, that's the thing I don't understand is where the whole throwing it over your shoulder thing comes from. So you've spilled the salt on the table. Okay. So you have invited doom
1: and gloom upon yourself in this action. Okay. So you take the salt and you throw it over your shoulder... Into the face of the devil who's coming to bring you bad luck. Ah, burning his eyes out. Right. Aha. Uh-huh. Interesting. Because salt is curative. <laughs> and and even a lot in uh, a lot of different folklore, yes. salt
0: is protective from spirits. Yes. And there are various, various, various uh, religious um like religions out there that use salts for purification. Oh yeah, um, think of any of the the pagan stuff the the Wicca, the druids and stuff like that. when you cast a circle, you cast it with salt. Um, you create a circle with salt which wards off spirits. nothing can leave it or enter into it. Yeah. so um, yeah, that's definitely salt is one of those one of those minerals that's that is used not just as a preservative but it's used religiously as well. It dices. It slices. It smashes. It purees. <laughs> it flambes. It's you can mash it. You can stick it in the <laughs> stew. I mean, it's it's this it, is it is so versatile. This is one of those things that the whole salt thing is just it, it, that one fascinates me. But I didn't know why you throw it over your shoulder. But that's that's kind of an interesting to- take on it. Yeah, it's supposed
1: to blind the the devil coming or the bad luck or the bad juju or the spirit or whatever. Given your various folklore origination story, they all universally agree that the throwing it over the shoulder is to ward off the badness that's coming you know, coming up from behind you to get you. Yeah. So you throw it back there and purify it and blind it.
0: How about that? Dude, that's cool. That's a very cool one. I didn't know any <laughs> yeah. of that. I mean, I knew that there, I, I, like being a history teacher, I knew that there was, that salt was used as, as currency. I knew that people were paid in salt and I knew it was extremely, extremely expensive, Right? you know, and it was hard to get. And of course, throughout history, it was used as a preservative and was still to this very day. Sodium is used as a preservative, okay. but, right. um, it's the only way to cure ham. It, oh my gosh. Is that not the <laughs> truth? Um, but I didn't know why we why the superstition was around spilling salt and throwing it over your shoulder. I, that one I didn't know. That was that's interesting. I didn't know it either. Very cool. Very cool. Moving on. All right. This one, um, this one is a superstition that that revolves. And actually, it's not one that we had even until um, the mid to late eighteen hundreds, specifically right around. Um, the year of 1876.
1: This is where it began. Oh, wow. So So this 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 is
0: is another one of those that we know exactly where it was at. This is a fairly new one. Um, In 1876, there was a town that um, today is infamous with Outlaws and um, card dealers and wild, just the Wild West. It's kind of like uh, we're talking like Annie Oakley and Wild Bill Hickok and and all of these guys that that are major major historical figures from the Wild West. The town was Deadwood, um, and this was in the Dakota Territory. Now Deadwood was a boom town. T- so, yeah. <laughs> So Deadwood was uh, a boom town that popped up after gold and silver was found in the area. And it just kind of popped up overnight. And as a lot of places out west back then. A lot of places. Um, So this territory, whenever it popped up, it drew in kind of like the best and the worst of that area. Uh, Because most of these little boom towns were kind of lawless, anything would go. Anything at all would go. Um, and one of the people that ended up at Deadwood was a pretty infamous lawman by the name of James Butler Hickok, better known as Wild Bill Hickok. Um, he was an old, he was, um, a wagon master, soldier, spy, scout, lawman, gunfighter, gambler, showman, actor. He kind of did it all. This guy was, he was a jack of all trades. I would say the only thing he was really good at was hustling because he was able okay. to to convince people that he knew the best way to do anything. That was kind of his thing. Now, Wild Bill was born May 27, 1837. He died August 7th or August 2nd in 1876. He was 39 years old. Um, and the way the cause of death was he was murdered. He was shot in the back of the head. Now, the superstition that comes from this is actually it revolves around what Hickok was doing when he was killed. He was sitting at a table playing five. If I remember my HBO, right. Okay, go for it. He was playing poker. He was playing five card stud, which is a type of poker. Um, He is, he always, when he would come in and play poker, his thing was he always sat with his back to the wall so he could see the entrance because he didn't trust anyone. This was a good idea for anyone that was in Deadwood. And whenever he came in on August 1st, this was the day before he was shot, um, to Nuttall and Man's saloon, he had to wait for a seat to open up at the poker table. A drunkard at the table named Jack McCall, um, Had lost massive amounts of money at the table, and when he finally was dead-busted broke, Hickok walks up to him, encourages him, "Hey, you might want to leave the table at this point because you're upside down, and you, you you probably want to go and see if you can recover some money to even up with the house because as it stands, you're not well, you're not doing good. I'll even give you some money for breakfast in the morning." Uh, go drink go go sleep this off, come back, get you a good meal, and tomorrow, you know you may have to go out and, and, and do something to make some money. So that sounds like a nice act. It does. McCall, though, in his drunk state, is insulted by this. <clears throat> Basically, he feels like he's being spoken down to oh, by wow. um, Hickok. Well, Mr. Wild Bill going to take pity on the poor country. Exactly. So whenever he gets up and leaves, he actually accepts the money and leaves. Um, But it's it's you can tell he's he's insulted. The people around basically as he was leaving, just his demeanor was I can't believe this person spoke to me this way. And Wild Bill sits down in his seat takes his spot at the poker table and plays throughout the rest of the night. Now, the next morning, the next day, I should say, Hickok was back at the table playing poker again. He usually sat with his back against the wall, but he did not have that seat available to him. So the only place that, that was open was a chair that was facing the wall, which meant his back was to the front door. A couple of times even, he asked other players at the table um, the guy, a guy named Charles Rich to change places with him. Right. Rich says, no, he, he refer, he refuses. Yeah. This is my lucky chair. I'm it's, getting good cards here. You, exactly. can't have this you, here. you Yeah. That, that'll change <laughs> the whole uh, deal and everything. No, not going to happen. So while Wild Bill is sitting there playing cards, McCall being insulted the night before walks into the saloon, walks up behind Hickok, drew his Model 1873 single-action Army forty five caliber revolver, shouted, and shot Hickok in the back of the head. He shoots him at Point Blake range, and Hickok died instantly at the table. The bullet actually emerged through Hickok's right cheek and struck another player, a riverboat captain named William Massey, in the left wrist. Now, the superstition from all of this is the hand that Wild Bill was holding when he was shot. The, wild, the, the, the hand that he was holding to this very day is still known as the dead man's hand. This is aces over eights. Now, those four cards, ace of spades, ace of clubs, eight of spades, and eight of clubs, they're all black cards... These are the four cards that he was holding, and the kicker card was the Queen of Diamonds. That was the fifth card that he had in his hand. Those four cards, after the game ended, after he was shot in the head, everyone freaked out and left the table. He was still holding these five cards in his hand, laying there as a corpse, and those cards were taken by one of the, uh, the other players, and they were actually passed down to his son, The cards themselves, the aces and the eights, were pristine. The queen of diamonds had just a spot of Hickok's blood on that. And even to this very day, if you go to Vegas or a place where gambling is legal, Atlantic City, aces and eights are not a hand you try for. That is still to this day considered an unlucky hand because everything originated right here with Wild Bill Hickok. Um, this was just one of those things that people are, even today, they're like, you don't, you don't go for the the dead man's hand. And it's, it's just considered very, very unlucky. Now the dead man's hand is used in various places. Um, it's legacy in the Las Vegas, Metro uh, Metrolo- Metropolitan Police Department, the homicide division they use in their, um, in their symbol and on the uh, the L.A. Police Department's cr- uh, crash squad, um, they will they use the insignia that has aces over eights in it. Um, these things, um, this, and also the Armed Forces Medical Examiner system, they all use this in their insignia. Um, these are like homicide department, crash squad, like medical examiner. I mean, we're talking oh yeah right? dealing with death. They deal. They. This is where. This is one of the things that they use the, the dead man's hand, um, as their insignia. So, even though it's considered very, very, very unlucky in gaming, it still is is used. Um, and here's something that I didn't know. I, whenever I was doing a little bit of research on this, um, there's a Western themed collectible card game called Doomtown. The highest rank in that entire game is. Um, with the Jack of D- Diamonds as the fifth go- fifth card, Aces over Eights. That's the highest rank that you can get in that game, and I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I, I didn't, I really Doomtown is not something that I was really familiar familiar with. Yeah, I never heard um, of it. It's an expandable card game based on like Deadlands role playing game. Um, originally a collectible, a collectible card game from nineteen ninety eight through two thousand one, um, and then it was revived in two thousand fourteen. So, hmm. yeah. Kind of an interesting thing, but yeah, Wild Bill Hickok is where we get the whole dead man's hand thing. Um, and why it's so unlucky in gaming, but it was because he was holding that hand when he was shot in the back of the head. Wow. Pretty interesting. I, I thought this one was, as far as doing research on on them, I thought that one was one of the the more interesting ones that I did research on. Cause I love stuff to do with the Wild West and stuff. I I, I have literally spent like in the winter at Hinkle whenever mm-hmm. like we'd have those snow days. Um, if it was a really really snowy week or whatever, I have literally spent days diving through like the Erps and the Cowboy Gang and and you know all that kind of stuff. because like one would lead to another and then another and another. And right. And it's just a amazing how much information is out there about those guys. And every one of them is fascinating in, in a different way. It's pretty so, cool.
1: So what was the guy that like, he came in the door and he was like, thank you for the
0: breakfast money, pow." Uh, no, his, what he yelled was, damn, you take that and shot him in the back of the head. Well, see if I buy you breakfast again. Hey, yeah. Jack so, McCall, um, uh, this is, he's, he's famous for shooting Wild Bill Hickok in the back of the head.
1: It's not a very nice thing to do. Yeah.
0: He had a couple of different things. He he his nose had been broken in because he 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 drank a lot and he fought a lot. Um and he was known as crooked nose or broken nose Jack. Um and his big thing was that he was the murderer of old West legend Wild Bill Hickok. Wow. Yep. Yeah. He was executed on March 1st, 1877.
1: So let's talk about this one.
0: Okay. Oh, you can see get- that. You can't give me cooties. Uh, well, you know what? It's okay. I don't have my fingers crossed right now, but you do. <laughs> I do. I can't get cooties. You can't get cooties. I can't get no cooties. So, I got my fingers crossed. Okay. So what is the deal with fingers crossing? What is the deal with crossing anything? Cause I've heard cross your fingers, cross your toes, cross anything you got. Cause you know, it's bad luck if you don't. Well, the, the,
1: this one has a few potential, but there it's mostly one real thing. Uh, it can be traced back in the Western world mm-hmm. as a symbol of good luck. But originally, crossing your fingers was not a solo act, and it wasn't really done for protection. Okay. Uh, so there's two main competing theories with the origins of finger crossing for luck. The first one goes back in, in, to a pagan belief in Western Europe in the powerful symbolism of a cross. Okay.
0: That makes uh, sense.
1: That that specific intersection was thought to mark a concentration of good spirits and a cert, and an anchor to a wish until it could be brought true. Ah. Uh, the practice of wishing upon a cross in the early European cultures involved to where people would cross their index finger over that of someone expressing a wish to show support. Huh. Okay. Eventually, wishmakers realized that they could do it alone and impart the benefit of the cross to their wishes without anybody else's participation. Hence, the crossing your For, middle well, finger over f- the at index At first, finger. they would cross their two index fingers. Effectively in like a, making an X or a cross. Like a plus sign. Yeah. You know? uh, and then finally, they adopted the one-hand crossing that you would think of as when I say cross your fingers. Cross your fingers, yeah. Wow. Now, the other goes back to the early days of Christianity. Often in those times in Rome and whatnot, uh, people were persecuted for their religious beliefs. And to recognize another Christian, there were several methods that had been developed of which uh, one was a symbol of, I don't, I don't know how to describe this, but it's... You, so basically,
0: you're crossing your index and middle finger and pressing your thumb, thumb up to it. Up to it. And it's supposed to be the symbol of the ichthus or a fish. Okay. I can. I definitely can see that. Uh, yeah, the ichthus, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's how Christians would identify each other.
0: Okay. Without saying... I'm a Christian. Because out loud. They, Yeah, because they would be persecuted for exactly. it. Exactly. Yes.
1: So then eventually it was dropped down minus the thumb... And it just kind of became the fingers crossing. Now, I say all this is in Western culture simply because that same gesture in Eastern culture is profane. Because to them, this symbolizes a female's reproductive bits. Ah, okay. So some Eastern cultures, for example, a similar, like if you wanted to wish somebody the same kind of thing with a gesture, you do a thing what they call pressing the thumbs.
0: I've seen that. So you would do this. Yeah, you tuck your thumb you in like You tuck your like
1: thumb a, in your fist. Inside the fist, yes. And that's called pressing a thumb. And that's a similar gesture in Eastern cult, in some Eastern cultures to crossing okay. your fingers. They consider this rude because basically you're calling them a vagina if you do that to somebody. Ah. Um. But, yeah. So, you know, originally it was a way for Christians to identify each other. And then slowly it became... You know, a symbol for Christianity. The the then it was, you know, the cross, of course, which is a symbol of protection. Right. So it all kind of goes back to that, that it's just a symbol of the cross, which is a symbol of either way, whether you go with the pagan belief or with the uh Christian belief, they both tie back to the fact that it's a symbol for the cross, which is a thing of protection and goodwill. So, okay. That's where it all comes from and you use that symbol to
0: ward off bad things. Ah, okay. So when you cross your fingers and stuff like that, they I it I can see definitely yeah. then where that comes from. Yeah, you're protecting yourself
1: from from badness. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. Now, when both even though, you know, pagans or Christians, they both go to an actual cross. Right. Just the, the the pagans typically just believed in the shape as a symbol of goodness and the Christians, of course, because Jesus was crucified,
0: crucified on the cross and all that. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So the last one that I'm going to hit is um, it's something that we do that I, I, I never knew really where it came from or what the origin was, but it's saying the phrase, God bless you after someone sneezes. Now um right now Penelope that's her big thing. She will literally walk around the house and I don't know I don't know where she picked this up but she'll walk around the house and she'll look at us and she'll she'll you know she'll go she'll go ah, 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 achoo. Ah, 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 achoo. and she wants us to sneeze and We, Ashley and I have both started doing this whole silly, like, you know, where you you just kind of over-exaggerate a sneeze. Okay. And she literally cackles. I mean, thinks it's the funniest thing ever. So, the polite response to someone sneezing in our society, in our culture, is to say, God bless you. Even Uh at Walmart the other day, I sneezed, a perfect stranger was like, uh, uh, we were looking at clothes and things, uh, trying to get some pants for Penelope, and like he was like I, a good fifteen twenty feet away from me, he st- stopped dead in his tracks, looked back and said, "God bless you," and I was like, right. "Thanks," and then he went on, and I'm after that I was thinking because we I was doing the research on on these and this was not one that I was going to do, but I thought, where in the Where does that come from? Why do we say that? So this phrase is attributed back to Pope Gregory the Great. This is during the time of the bubonic plague. Now, he said to people who were sneezing, he would use this phrase, God bless you, as a blessing, because during a sneeze, they believed that parts of the soul could escape the body, as well as the heart momentarily would stop just Quit, and then start back again. Oh, okay. So what this whole God bless you thing was, was a way of welcoming this person back to life. God bless you. Welcome back. So they thought that during a sneeze, you died for just a second. Your soul left the body just as if you were asleep and dreaming, because they thought the soul soul left the body during that as well. And they would say this phrase, God bless you. Today I learned your soul just kind of takes off whenever it feels like it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Your soul was just kind of a thing that. But that's would, okay. you have been just a new one leave. in seven years. Yeah, the the soul was out of your body, um, and yeah the the folklore explains that that that's that you know when the soul escapes the body because you know of a sneeze, you need to welcome it back, and God bless you was the phrase that they used. Um, it's one of those again. We still use it today. It was it was said to me just. Literally two days ago, if I'm not mistaken, two or three days ago.
1: Oh, okay. Now, see, I didn't know that, I didn't research it, but I had heard a similar thing to that in the past that not that you died, but like that a sneeze was like your spirit trying to escape. Right. And so you would say, bless you to to keep keep your spirit. To keep it in. Yeah. I had heard somebody, somebody told me that a long time ago. And I guess it's very similar to what your research turned up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that was that was what I found out. So, interesting. It's interesting. Uh, to me, I find most of these that we've talked about to be very very fascinating and interesting. Um superstitions in general right. are kind of fascinating. Um uh, there's one bonus I'm going to throw in there and it's not one that we put up on our outline, it's not oh, one that we fine. threw in the notes or anything like that, but um, this is a personal superstition that I got to witness, um, had the pleasure of witnessing years ago, a few years ago, um, the first time that Ashley and I went to Charleston, South Carolina. Now, Charleston, South Carolina, beautiful, beautiful town. As you've never been, I strongly urge anyone out there to go. Very, very, very historic. They we're right. talking, you know, the place where the Civil War began. Yeah. Um, they Some, got that good seafood
1: restaurant you oh mentioned on a previous episode.
0: Seafood is the greatest seafood I've ever eaten in my life. Um, the the whole the the whole downtown area is very 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 historic. Our Declaration of Independence was at one time housed in the old courthouse there. Um, it was it's pretty amazing. This 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 town is one of those towns that is just phenomenal to me. If someone said, "Jeremy, you you can move anywhere in the United States that you want to. Money's not an issue." I wouldn't even have to think twice. I'd be at Charleston. Charleston is is where I would go. Um, Nice. So while we were there, there is a, and I'm going to go ahead and plug for them. There is a tour company that, that you can go through called Bulldog Tours. And what they specialize in is historical and ghost tours of downtown Charleston. And they are all walking tours. So like the whole downtown area, it's a pretty good size, but like typical, a typical walk might be somewhere right around a mile. Oh, and that's not bad. It's not bad. Mile to mile and a half. And you can typically make that journey in about an hour, hour and a half, because you stop at various places and you'll they'll tell you the story or the history of this area. So one of the things that they pointed out as we began the tour was for us to look at the doors in this historical area. And they just said, notice that... All of the door frames, especially the headboard of the door, is painted blue. We were like, okay, that was really all that was said. Toward the end of the tour, after we walked all through the downtown area and saw that probably 90% of all of the doors there had at least the headboard painted the exact same shade of blue. He uh, the the tour guide, he said, "All right, did you notice that all of the doors have this?" And we were like and and you know, ever there was probably a crowd of 20 of us. And we were like, "Yeah, what so what is the deal, you know?" He said, "This is a leftover, a superstition from the times that slaves were brought into the old market. With the slavery, they brought their culture, and part of their culture was uh, was voodoo." And They were said to summon evil spirits. What this color is called, and you can only buy it in um, the Sherwin-Williams store in Charleston, South Carolina, it's called Haint Blue. And it is specific to warding off evil spirits in voodoo, this color is. And all of the downtown um, areas... Have that color on their the above the door to ward off the evil spirits because the whole downtown area of Charleston is supposed to be extremely haunted. So we got to witness that one ourselves, and that superstition origin uh, it originated seventeen hundreds, um, and it's still being used today. So I thought that was that was a, an interesting little bonus when I would throw out there.
1: That's uh yeah okay yeah blue paint it scares away.
0: Evil spirits, specifically haint blue. They call the spirits down there haints. Okay, Yep. All Very right. good. So we've thrown salt over our shoulders. We've crossed our fingers. Uh, for anyone that sneezed during an episode, God bless you. Bless you. God bless you. Uh, we didn't break a mirror, so I, I feel okay about that. Yeah, I made not, sure to stay
1: careful around the mirror.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. No dead man's head. Where we've not played cards. No, no poker. Um, I don't think that we're. Finishing on the an hour and 13. Are we finishing cl- anywhere close to no, an hour? Okay, no, so, no, so we no, don't good. have to worry about the number 13. Yeah. So I think most of our superstitions that we have covered. Yeah. All my ladders are in the garage, tucked okay. safely away. And before we end, I'm going to knock on wood. Okay. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. We have had so much fun with this episode. Indeed. I love the superstitions. And happy Halloween again to all of you out there. Yeah. And if you want to try to find us, we can be found at facebook.com forward slash two minds podcast. Yeah. You can tweet us, tweet at us, Twitter us, use the Twitter thing and get in touch with us (laughs) at two (laughs) minds podcast. You can send us an email through Gmail, two minds podcast at gmail.com.
1: And you can find this and all of our past episodes on our hosting site, two twominds.podbean.com or now on Spotify. Absolutely. You can search for Jason Claywell or
0: Jeremy Ham, and we'll we, pop right up there in the up? podcast section. That is so awesome. I like popping up on Spotify. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that is it's, so it's cool. very cool. <laughs> all right, dude. This was a fun one. It was. I, I, I got to say that the superstitions, man, doing research on these, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Yeah more good news Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely.